Our theme is faith journey, <laughs> by the way. That's right. And our mission. Mm-hmm. Faith journeying as a community mm-hmm. together uh, serving one another. Three Dogs North. We as a community um, striving to proclaim the loving message of God in the world uh, to the most vulnerable. Especially those who feel they are other. Other uh in a, in a community of welcome, offer our faith journey to the world. Wow. That's it, man. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the use of the word God was a little exclusive, you know. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, that I'm on that. board. I'm on board. That was impressive. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. Uh, anyway, my idea for today What's is... What's your faith topic? This is a faith topic. You know, <laughs> that was the main topic. Again. Uh, what if we just each shared uh, a grace, kind of like Cam Knight, and then see where it like from the last week or year or whatever, and then just see where it went. Hmm. That's a good idea. We've never done anything like that on the podcast. Mm-mm. Novelty. No. So I'm assuming both your graces will be talking to me mm-hmm. uh, yes. today. So Fair. Fair just enough. to kick this off, had the opportunity on uh, this, yeah, this past weekend just to see like... Um, my old buddy, Father Ben Holdren from Nebraska, who's the man and got the deacon of mass for him, actually, which was super, super cool. And uh, yeah, it was great. We just talked, like, got to catch up. And so, like, just that that friendship. He influenced me a lot, like, to want to be a priest. And he's doing the IPF spiritual director training here. And uh, so, especially the weekend of, like, John Paul II's feast day and stuff like that, who also means a lot to me. It was just great to to be with him. And my brother and sister-in-law came up to Mundelein with my little nephew, which was super awesome. So I got to watch College Game Day with my one-year-old nephew and hang out. I'm trying to remember, he's not Juicebox. Thomas is not Juicebox. No, John is Juicebox. John is Juicebox. Yeah. What should we call Thomas? Oh, man. Capri Sun? <laughs> That's, uh, well, that is connected. That just seems a little too long. Hmm. Mm. Well, it'll come to us. It'll come. Yeah. No, yeah. Juice box is already taken. Yeah. Thomas is ridiculously cool, though. Oh, yeah. Man. He's one I just year old. To see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. He was just strutting around the hallway. He's chilling yep. on the cam, huh? <clears throat> yeah, he's already taken over the cam. I felt like he was trying to take over Alpha Dog. Yeah. Just walking on the cam. <laughs> like, had to kick him, obviously. <laughs> no choice. Well, uh, I can go next. As long as we're doing this theme-oriented faith journey topic session. This is a safe space, so continue. Um, I'd say one of the... This kind of goes over the last year or so, um, or a little bit more. There's this one couple who um, who I did their wedding, and <clears throat> she wasn't Catholic and then later became Catholic. I may have talked about them or around that topic before. Uh, but on the e- the evening of Easter Vigil last past year, uh, I welcomed her into full communion with the Catholic Church, gave her First Communion and Confirmation. And then at the end of the Mass, uh, they told me, oh, by the way, we're having our, we just found out we're pregnant, we're having our first child. So that was just a really cool grace at the time. Uh, but this past Sunday, they had the baby, or yeah, a week ago yesterday, they had the baby, healthy girl, Elizabeth. And um, I had been telling them the whole time, uh, because we kind of became buddies, uh, me and the three of them. We went to like a Sox game together. A couple of times I've gone out with him for beers and just uh, chit-chatting. He's a teacher, so he's kind of helping me somewhat with the school stuff and things I don't know that much about. Um, but he's, they're both just really cool people, uh, about my age, maybe a couple years older. But I was joking with him the whole time that it was going to be a girl because he kind of wanted a boy and they didn't find out 
Um, but every time I would talk about their child, I would always refer to it as her. And he would always laugh. But anyways, it turned out to be a girl. They were all excited and uh, had the baby Sunday and got out of the hospital Tuesday. And they were just so dying for me to meet the baby that they brought her to the holy hour on Tuesday night, Eucharistic Adoration, and uh, heard a few confessions. And then about a half hour into the holy hour, there were no more. So I came out of the confessional and there they are sitting there. It's a little baby carriage, car seat, um, just glowing. And I, they'd never been to the holy hour as far as I knew um, before, but they just came to show me the baby, get a blessing. And then the next Sunday they were at church and um, baby's first mass and all this. And just to see in the past year them go from this couple who came in and sat down in my office that were like, yeah, well, we kind of wanted a, a nice traditional church wedding. So we found this church that's really, you know, beautiful and, but we need a priest and neither of us really go to mass and she's not even Catholic, but we'd kind of like to get married in the church, but we were just kind of seeing what that all entailed and went from that level of engagement of like, having been to a Sunday mass in years to now at mass every Sunday, both of them are Catholic, uh, and the first thing that they want to do when they get the baby out of the hospital is go to Eucharistic Adoration and get a blessing from the priest. I just think that that's a really cool thing that God gave them and me um, and a good friendship that I know that I'll, wherever I go from here, whenever I go from here, that that will definitely stay with me. Grace complete. That's pretty powerful, man. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. That is very very cool. They uh, they wanted you to be a part of part of their life. Yep. Just and I natural. you know they're not the only couple, but that's just a, in the last week. But I, I found that married couples, especially ones that I prepare for marriage, um, I, that's just a, a really good end to get to know people and um, sort of walk with them on their faith journey through various themes and topics, um, <laughs> so that we might be a more inclusive and welcoming community of faith. That's the mission, man. Mm -hmm. That's being church for people. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, marriage prep is really cool. I like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> a grace for me has been... Um, I'm trying to distinguish or trying to think between two because this Sunday I had a really wonderful experience going down and helping out the parish. But I have to say even more than that, in prayer, the Lord has given me an awesome image in, uh, from the Holy Land, specifically in Nazareth, um, just in the Holy Family's house. And watching Joseph, just watching Joseph early, early in the morning um, taking care of the family before the family's even awake. Um, and like even, even imagining specific details of like, how do, where do they sleep in the house? You know, having been to Nazareth to see how small these little towns are and to see how small the houses are and to think like, what was the arrangement like between Joseph and Mary? And, um, so kind of like having Joseph sleep in the quote unquote living room, protecting the entrance of the house and have Mary and Jesus and, kind of a back bedroom and Jesus is laying at Mary's feet sleeping and um, and Joseph wakes up very early and puts on a fire to warm the house and is warming some water and like just gets to go over and kind of check on the family, check on Mary, check on Jesus and just sit with them. And, and it's been very important for me because the past couple of weeks or so um, <clears throat> just had a lot of clutter. Like I, I have told Rob and a couple of my buddies, I've just felt like a busybody up here at seminary. And, um, and it's just hasn't been, uh, hasn't been the most peaceful experience because my heart's just been very cluttered with various stuff and I'll be a good stuff. Um, just very cluttered and feeling like I need to get back to a place of simplicity, a place of, yeah, a place of peace and just kind of looking to the Holy family. And I remember the experience in Nazareth was one of, um, just realizing 
like what that would have looked like where Jesus, when Jesus was learning how to pray and learning how to live and learning how to work and learning how to love. Um, so of course, going back and finding, going back to that model of the Holy family, but just that image in prayer has been something that's a huge consolation for me to go back to throughout this kind of busy time, uh, the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. And Pope Paul the sixth is, Nazareth is the the school of prayer with with the Holy Family. Um, that's always resonated with me. So I putting more flesh to that idea. Um, yeah, it's been very good. But but just to look specifically to Joseph as well, because uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing right now and that we do up in seminary, like no one will ever see, no one will ever know about. And mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, it's uh, like it's not very flashy. It's not super important. Um, directly, not indirectly, it has massive effects on us, but um, I can fall into the trap of thinking that big acts of love are the only acts of love that you can do, um, which is like the antithesis of Christianity. So I, like, I want to do the, the dramatic, you know, martyrdom type thing, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. But to see Joseph's example when he's doing the legwork for the family so that when they wake up, they have food and they have a warm house and some some kind of comforts for them that's an act of love that's uh that's important for me to see and to learn that yeah like a father does love like that and that's a little bit of what i'm doing up here i guess is how it feels so yeah the lord provided that image for me and it's been it's been one of a lot of peace and uh i think i've learned a lot from it so just went back to that this morning again um yeah that's awesome. When you were in the Holy Land, did you uh, did you go to that place that they think is Joseph's house? Yep. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The place of the Annunciation. Uh, that whole the whole town of Nazareth is so small. Yeah. Like the houses were so teeny tiny. Um. So. Yeah, and there was something about them being stone. Where what I think the Greek word they use to describe Joseph is a tecton, which a lot of people translate as carpenter, but it could also be like stonemason. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would have been a handyman that worked on these houses, and and like I guess the image with the fire and the light and the heat was juxtaposed to the stone, which I imagine as being cold and um, you know kind of hard. Um, so. Yeah, there was just something about like seeing that they were stone houses. They weren't wood houses. And um, yeah, it's just the little ways that they would have provided for one another. Um, these little acts of love. Hmm. It's just totally unknown. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I'm reading. I just started this morning, actually. I did like the intro over the weekend and then kind of started it just to see how I like it. But the 33 days to like divine mercy with the oh, yeah. second like father gately yeah book and it's really it's really like a nice layout i've never even done the first one mm-hmm. actually um but anyway i just like wanted to try this one was on my it was on my shelf but in the intro he talks about um i can't remember exactly the wording he uses but um pretty much the people that like would talk about uh, the little flower to him and you know make some comment like well you know the little way of saint therese isn't that little like you know it's really costs a lot and does all this stuff and he calls them pretty much liars i don't know <laughs> in his intro um and gosh it's like thieves of thieves of love or thieves of joy that he calls them or something like that but anyway i think what he was saying was like no it is a little way like the little stuff is really where like the spiritual life unfolds and you don't have to necessarily think about it in terms of like well this is you know these little things are like preparing me for martyrdom someday or whatever maybe but maybe not honestly and it uh it kind of drew me back this morning to something that father Sywick said last year when i gave that homily right after the cubs had won the world series yeah he loved that homily he did love that he loved that um but yeah, so I was preaching on that, and then at some point I, I talked about I had watched the news like the night that the Cubs won the series, and they interviewed this girl down at Wrigley, and she probably had like a few too many drinks, you know, she's partying away, 
And she literally says on national television, she's like, this is the best day of my life. This is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Cubs win the World Series. And I posed something to the effect of like, um, you know, what if like there's a lot of ways you can, you know, kind of like look at that statement, like what she's missing out on, blah, blah. And I was like, what if someone would just like in that context could tell her, <clears throat> you know, this is actually like just a shred of the love that God wants to give you. You know, this is like what it feels like in a sense to live um, in, in the spiritual. You know, there's a lot of nuances to be made there, certainly. Um, but Father Sywick's like one critique when he was talking to me about it was like, he's like, the only thing you didn't do well, in my opinion, was you didn't have the courage to say that that was how God was loving her in that moment. And do you see that like subtle oh, yeah. distinction there it. of what he was it. saying? <clears throat> And it really stuck with me of like, um, man, that's just, that's big, you know, like, no, in that moment, like the concrete circumstance, that is how God is loving her in the moment. And you can certainly like twist that and turn it all or all sorts of different, different ways. But so I love that image of Joseph It's the moral of that whole story. Right. Yeah. It's like the little things, the day to day. Yeah. Um, they're not steps to get you to like a higher plane. Yeah. Like that is it. Right. If you have the right, right eyes to see it. Right. They're not always in service to something else. Yeah. They themselves are, are the, are the love that God's trying to give you. Yeah. Gosh, I'm so, <clears throat> I'm so resistant to that. I don't know why. I mean, I, I know it's true, but, um, like I remember one time in direction, this was a while ago with a different spiritual director, but <clears throat> I was talking about an experience I'd had on seminary appeal at a church and I, I helped with communion. And there was just this one little girl that had come up to receive communion who looked like she was probably of age of first communion, like her first communion had probably been a few months before. And she came up with her hands like perfectly folded and received communion on the tongue and just looked like like a little saint therese what i imagine what she would have looked like receiving communion and as a seven-year-old uh if they even received communion as seven-year-olds then i don't know um and it was just a beautiful image it made me feel like a priest and and like i'm you know feeding this child with the body of christ and even though i'm not a priest yet um at the time you know, it was like a kind of, it was just a, like a cool image that I had brought to prayer that I was then bringing to direction. And my director kept getting me to tr- like trying to get me to basically see that that, I mean, I, I don't even know how to say it, but it, it was like, like that little girl was God to me, you know, like, I guess I don't know what that means. Uh, do you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I recognize that God's love is all around me and that he's showing me signs of his love, whether it's Cubs winning the World Series or uh, or like these little things that, I mean, like the Joseph is doing little things. So is he experiencing God's love or giving God's love? or It's, it's, all, it's all very hey, metaphorical be, to me. Can you be more specific with the idea that you're resistant to? I don't know if I can. It just all seems like the uh, the metaphors get cloudy to me. So, like, what does it mean that God is loving me? Is it because I feel good, um, or because I'm, you know, at peace or doing something like the Cubs? The Cubs analogy. That's that's one I, I remember at the time when you brought that up last time a year ago when the Cubs actually won and didn't lose in disgraceful fashion. <laughs> um, <laughs> that I, if you'll remember, I had kind of a negative experience of the Cubs winning the World Series. Like, I, I mean, it was yes. fun, but it was like True. deeply unsatisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I I kind of take. I guess what I th- more resonate with is the idea that on this side of heaven all this joy it's kind of like the c.s lewis idea that the joy is always mixed with this deep sadness because it doesn't last forever and it's not as good as i want it to be um and the moment you start even looking for joy you've necessarily like stopped being able to find it because 
it has to be a surprise. It has to be a gift. It can't be something earned or, or sought. And if you try to make yourself happy, you're guaranteed not to make yourself happy. So like all, all these things, um, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what I'm saying, but it just, it just seems like I'm much more in the camp of this world doesn't satisfy me, but it leads me to a deeper desire for God who can. And I get little foretastes of it, but even the foretastes are meant to just draw my heart out and be bigger to hold everything that God wants to give me eventually. See, that's um, interesting. Just, just simply because like, I would hold myself in that camp as well. Hmm. Even from like, what I said like before, like even it, it, like in the Cubs analogy and like Cywick's point in it and stuff like that. I mean, like, um, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't have a very good way to articulate it either. Um, I don't know, but I, I, de- I 100% relate to what you're like. It just seems to me like, like a, I don't know if it's a question of degrees or, or quality because, um, it just sounds to me like maybe one point of view is a little bit more optimistic about the world's ability to mediate the kind mm-hmm. of joy that we're destined for. And I guess I'm maybe a little bit more pessimistic of it. Like I looked at the Cubs thing and, and kind of saw it as a, uh, just sort of that biblical metaphor of like giving birth to air, you know, like we've just been longing for this victory for so long and we didn't even know what it was going to be like, but we expected it to be absolute ecstasy. And then you're like, yeah, but now we have to go do it again. Otherwise it's not good enough. You know, um, it's like this kind of constant Sisyphus thing that if you're looking for, I guess that's why the little way, if I understand the little way at all, how it makes sense is that you, you sort of like eschew all of that hope for any sort of worldly glory and you settle into what is really glorious on an invisible level. It's only visible to the heart between God and the person, which is um, the love that you give in the concrete circumstances of your life. That's really how God loves you is the, is the circumstances. And then you saying yes to them and accepting everything as a grace. Is that St. Therese? Everything is grace. Um, and you cooperating with grace is you loving in that moment, whether you're in solitude or whether you're with people. And if the people are difficult, then you <clears throat> love them in that difficulty. Or if, the, or if the people that you're with or the circumstances you're in are, are good and comfortable and, and beautiful, then you just give praise to God and you um, are grateful. And that's but I don't know. I guess I'm kind of Augustinian in this sense that like I'm kind of in this for me <laughs> at the end of the day. Like it's a it's a certain selfishness. Like I, I talked about this in a homily a couple weeks ago. Um, if you'd asked me why I wanted to be a priest, it's the, the reason is selfish. It's not self-centered, but I wouldn't have said yes to this life if I didn't think it would be the one that gave me the most joy. So ultimately, the reason for me choosing to be a priest is selfish in the sense that I want to be happy. But the way to be happy is to make your life not centered around yourself, but around Christ. And he will center your life around, well, he'll, he'll give you a structure of committed love to get you out of yourself day in and day out so that you can sort of like experience the joy of loving the way he loves, which is self-emptying and and selfless but do you get like it's kind of uh joseph peeper had an idea of selfless self-preservation that there's a certain sense in which the human being has to preserve his like as a as a way of being selfish or self-preservatory he has to give his life away you know it's kind of like running out of the foxhole like if you stay here you'll die if you make your life about yourself you'll automatically therefore be unhappy so if you want to be happy you got to let go of happiness if you want to be alive you got to be reckless with your life you know what i mean um now i'm kind of getting it off in another topic but i guess that's my that's like my worldview you know it's my how i make my decisions and how i hear my conscience 
pushing me or pulling me on a daily basis. Does that make sense at all? Well, one thing, one thing that came to mind was, uh, you, you said, um, you believe in, or at least, uh, what it was exactly you said, um, something about the world and not being able to, um, mediate God's love. Is that right? No, I wouldn't say it it can't mediate, but I guess I'm a little bit more pessimistic about it's like the purity of it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, its ability to uh, to to kind of lead us. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to nuance it anymore because I'll mess it up. But I, I don't know when you said that the thing that um, I think it, this is being juxtaposed next to is God's incredible ability to communicate his love to people. Um, and it made me think of what you talked about on the podcast before is Graham Greene's End of the Affair. Um, that book came to mind because. I think that whole story is just demonstrating how God can save his people, how God can save a person and and share his love with someone in extraordinary circumstances using things that I would say are like, there's no possible way. And yet God finds a way to incorporate those and actually be a means of communicating his love. Um, what's the main character's name? Is it Sarah? Sarah? I think so. In that book. Sarah, yeah. And and so I just think about that because um like specifically using using that within the context of the Cubs World Series, um how much the Cubs World Series victory was not about the Cubs the Cubs winning a baseball game, but just how how many different aspects of people's lives were bound up in that whole experience where like the avenues that God could use to like show some sort of fulfillment and show status, like some, some real experience of transcendence to mm-hmm. people through that is like looking at the Cubs game. It's much more than just a baseball game, obviously. So I guess I, I juxtapose the, the pessimism of it, which I, I agree with. I mean, I certainly share that. There's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, but then maybe, pit that against Sywick's point, which there's no need to pad your language. Like this actually is God loving them right now. Um, and yeah, I'm, I, I mean, I'm hesitant to it because I would say like, yeah, but you know, but it's not total satisfaction. Like it's not, there's, there's some distance between it still, you know, they're not in the eschaton, not everything's perfect. I would always pad it with that language. But I think like, I think Sywick would say no, for real, this is God actually loving them right now, which is a challenging thing. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm hearing is is those two points. We live in a fallen world and God loves us perfectly at all times. <laughs> yeah. How do you... I, I don't know, man. Go. It's like, like I'm picturing... I didn't, I didn't see this clip of the girl who said this is the best day of my life, but um, I'm just picturing... Like what we used to kind of mock in college, which was, oh, dude, college is the best four years of your life and how kind of depressing that was of an idea. Um, Because what people meant by that, or at least what I thought people meant by that was like you have very little responsibility. You can pretty much make um, any night of the week a drinking night and go out and party and make dumb decisions and there's not all the consequences that you might have later in life and I just thought, you know, that's, that's a certain, that's like a kind of slavery, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And that, I guess that's what I am imagining with this girl. And, and that's why I'm conflicted about saying that's God loving you. Um, because it seems like a pursuit of a, just a really ephemeral good that is ultimately not going to be that satisfying. See, I guess I always viewed it more as like, because I, I, I can't. I'm not even like disagreeing with that at at all. Um, but I guess like the point that like I would go back to, at least in my thinking on it, is that like you know take take the person that says yeah like the college is the best like the best time of your life blah blah. blah. It's like they also like at least people I've heard say that like also earnestly mean that <clears throat> you know. 
And I and I think that was kind of like how I thought about that girl at the Cubs game. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't point to that as like the model of like Christian fulfillment or virtue or anything, anything like that. But I also think like I really think she meant what she said in her own like way of being authentic. Whether or not no, she was I, like, I totally agree too. And I'm not yeah. saying I'm not saying that that's what you're saying, but I guess my tendency would be to scoff and say as a matter of fact no Mm -hmm. that is in competition with the joy that god's trying to give you it's uh oh i'm saying maybe more like maybe more like therese in carmel or some carthusian monk sweeping a stone floor is happier than you you know what i'm saying i would yeah, I would agree with that. Because they've, and they will never miss having been in Wrigleyville on the night of November 2nd, 2016, or whatever day the Cups happened to have won the World Series. Not that I remember that date. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I guess that's, that's, the, it's the secret of the heart. That's where joy really happens. And um, I, I think that there were just as many, uh, people who woke up miserable the next day as as elated um and I, maybe maybe i'm not focusing like you're focusing on the moment right that joy that elation that she's feeling is is god loving her is what you're saying in the moment yeah. in the concrete circumstance like you can't have a time machine and go back like right now in your life this is god loving you because right. he's breathing you into existence and like you're here experiencing this yeah. But would there ever be a situation where someone might say that and in fact they are being led to health by an angel of light? You know what I mean? Like this I'm thinking about like somebody who's infatuated with a person, you know, falls in love, but it's a really bad situation or bad bad person for them and they're being seduced and they think that this is like I can never be separated from this person. This is the meaning of my life. You know, you've seen people, college, I saw quite a few people do this where it was like maybe their first girlfriend or boyfriend and they were intimate before marriage and and that can kind of cloud your judgment and you feel like I can't uh, live without this person. This is the happiest I've ever been. My life, this, this, I would jump in front of a train for this person. But in fact, that's not, that's, it's like a counterfeit that's leading them astray. You know what I'm saying? So I, I guess my my question is like I'm not saying that maybe that particular the Cubs thing is an example of this necessarily, um, but I do think there's there are forms of false joy that take you farther from God. Mm-hmm. Agreed. You know what I mean? And deeper into a vicious cycle that will frustrate you. Um. And maybe, I don't know if that's an interesting question, but I guess that's, that's what I struggle with, you know, like, what do you, what are you looking for? And uh, a lot of times the path to satisfaction is renunciation, you know, Um, I, I'm a world affirming guy. Look, I'm Catholic, I'm sacramental, but I get more and more suspicious of the world every day, (laughs) you know, like, are you really here to make me happy? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, you're yeah. you're saying that that is is the world's attempt at uh, well, a, it's a fleeting joy. Well, yeah, and I I have not like been a priest here in confessions mm-hmm. obviously ever, but just more and more like how I relate to what you just said on that is, um, like, uh, sinful things or whatever like you you say however you word that have like very real very bad consequences in people's lives. Um, However, I so anyway, what? What? What has bad consequences in people's lives? Sin. Oh, yeah. like I don't know how else to say it, but yeah, like yeah, whatever yeah. You, you know. Um, if you use like a terminology like the world, worldly enticements, um, I think you could just say, you know, sin, which you know should cover it pretty pretty well. Like, I guess more and more of like, I I'm coming to realize like that plays out in very real ways and it hurts a lot of people um you know and so it's like yeah you definitely hold to like 
real forgiveness and real mercy, but that that doesn't mean that. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, the situation I'm thinking of is, um, uh, and this isn't, yeah, this is like he would say this, but a guy who um, I know years ago, but he cheated on his wife. And um, like he believes deeply in the mercy of God and being forgiven through the sacrament. But he will say like um, just the absolute like, uh, I mean, pain and kind of mess that it made of his family, how it's impacted his kids and stuff like that. Like that's also still present in it. Um, So it's not it's not like a funny abstract thing for that guy, even being rooted in like believing that God has forgiven him for that sin. Hmm. Um, If that makes sense, I don't know. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, when, you know, whenever you talk to the guy who's college, best four years of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, and, and the more and more I talk to folks my age and friends, um, you know, that have graduated and kind of moved on from college or not moved on from college, um, like, I would say, like, college may be the foremost damaging years in a lot of people's lives. Hmm. Uh and yeah, I guess I meet more and more people that um, are just getting out of college or are currently in, and it's it's a pretty dangerous. It can mark you. It can mark mm-hmm. you. And I'm not without without um, without Mark as well. I mean, yeah, college. That's sin has a very real effect on you, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, it has repercussions and. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess I'm thinking now about the, uh, like, distinguishing that false joy. Because, I mean, that's obvious enough, right? That the world has these, the devil's a liar, and he, he has all these empty promises. And he leads us around like pigs with a little ring in our nose all the time with these little temptations and stuff like that. But it's the deeper question is, like, the little girl receiving communion, you know, that image that I took to prayer. Uh, and my spiritual director trying to get me to, I don't even remember or know, and that's, that was probably the problem at the time, what exactly threshold he was trying to get me to cross. But I guess I was, I was more comfortable with like that being an image of God loving me or like calling me to participate in his love through, um, you know, giving the Eucharist to someone and this like simple faith, this childlike or, you know, literally child, um, dependence on me, you know, it's like, I, I don't know. I'm like, I was intellectualizing it too much or something like that, even though the conversation is, it's verbal. So it's like, you're trying to get to my heart through my intellect too, by explaining to me this, my spiritual director, like what I'm, how am I supposed to interpret that experience? And like, I guess he was trying to make it a little like less mediated less metaphorical and more direct. Like that little girl is God loving you. You know, this whole idea of like, you are Jesus. I'm Jesus. You know, like uh, how kind of like how Catholics take the Eucharist, you know, it's not, it's him, you know, and so are you and me and, and, there's really no separation between Jesus and his church, Jesus and his and his brothers and sisters, and there's no separation between Jesus and God. And therefore, avoiding the heresy of pantheism, like, yeah, she's God. I'm God. We're all God. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess, and then and then like sitting in that, like you and your, your the Nazareth Nazareth image, you know, like I was also resistant to that because I I didn't get it, like. Uh, what are we doing here in Nazareth? And I'm just playing, playing make believe in my mind about what it might have been like. And, you know, uh, is this like therapeutic? And I, I still to this day, I don't, uh, I mean, I hear what you see. I heard that grace and it's beautiful and, and I would love to experience that. But, uh, you know, I guess I, I'm a little bit more, I don't know what, but. It's tougher for me. It always has been. That's why IPF, I started really really kind of cynical about it. And later, mm. by the grace of God, uh, was able to really appreciate it for what it was. I was a little open. But it's still, to this day, like certain parts of it, um, 
I think I just don't get, you know. Uh, hmm. Is this an example where we disagree? Or I don't know if we disagree. I just don't. I don't really understand exactly what you're saying. Yeah, me neither. And I feel because I feel like, yeah, we don't. Maybe we disagree. I don't know. I think there definitely is something we disagree about. I don't know what it is. We're deep in the fog here, guys. This is. (laughs) We are. This is uh, into the metaphor, sign and symbol and mysticism (laughs) of the heart. Yeah. <laughs> too bad none of us know what we're doing here <laughs> yeah we're like hey i can't see anything i don't know what we're talking about what, do you want to guide us out of here or make some sense of this <laughs> help help yeah this help. is where we just start yelling <laughs> anyone <laughs> this is the, this is the human condition man yeah that's like we just get thrown into existence and we're like what are we doing here and what how do i how do i you know try it? I two things that popped into my head one, and this can be real quick, I just want to know what you think of this, because it could be totally re- irrelevant, but we were watching uh, Stranger Things last night with Isaac, and he pointed out, he was like, oh, that's one of my favorite scenes, of this, or like, that's a really good scene of the show, and they're riding their bikes, and there's two of the, like, the boys in the group, the, the kids, and the one is like explaining to the other one that the, the other guy that this kid had gotten in a fight with is his best friend. Do you remember this scene? Mm-hmm. And so he's like... He's like, yeah, man, like everybody knows he's your best friend. Like you guys need to make up from this stupid fight because he's your best friend. And so the other kid tells this kid, he's like, well, you're my best friend, too. And he's like, hey, you can only have one best friend, man. It's just logic. Hmm. And he just and so the kid says back to him, well, I call bull on your logic because you're my best friend, too. And so it was like, I don't know, Isaac, it was a cool point, I thought, that he made of just like that. It's just how a kid thinks in that like scenario, and it's not how I would have thought about it. But I was like, I really like that. It's very simple. But your thoughts on that, and I'll say my next point. You so you're saying you agreed with the kid who said it's bull. You can both be my best friend. Yes. Huh. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Like the yeah, best logically says there must only be one. Otherwise, there's another one that's the best. You're saying that somehow friendship is one of these mysteries that can break the barriers of exclusivity or or logic. I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know. All right, it's what's the second point? Anyway, um, oh, back to the the girl at the the Cubs game. Mm-hmm. Maybe and maybe like even you, however you worded it earlier, I don't remember. Um, so like I always thought of that more as like um. Even in the context of like thinking about like evangelization or effective evangelization from that moment, and this is like an earnest question, um, like would it be more effective like if you had the opportunity to like have a conversation with that girl that night and she says like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, this is the best thing that's ever happened in my life, um. Honestly, what is, what is more effective in your guys' experience to to say like, well, no, like that can't be, you know, blah blah blah, or to say like, in a sense, use that as a starting point to like point toward to like that is God loving you in that moment because just it's kind of both to me, and so maybe I always thought about it more of like, okay, what's the best route to take from there, like from that moment? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, because we would have to make the claim that, like, that experience is obviously not outside of the realm of God. So he is somehow present and active in and through it. Um, the first thing that came to mind was, say, come back in a week and tell me how, like, tell me, let's talk about it then, yeah. and and kind of allow the the effect of the fleetedness, if it is fleetedness, to go away. Um, but if there, I think if there actually is something that's very real and substantial that's from the Lord, um, then she comes back in a week and says, like, yeah, I still have a lot of fulfillment and some satisfaction from it. And probably to, you know, to, to have that as a starting point. So I'd give it a little time and then see see if it stays with her. What if you don't have time? Are you oh saying, are you saying that this is uh, 
a spiritual direction question or this is like you're trying to move the chains evangelization wise you like you, no, you like, run into I'm, this girl and she's like I'm saying you meet this girl on the street in an ele- or an elevator and like she um she tells that to you like she sees you with the collar on and she says that what do you say that's awesome <laughs> yeah go cubs like i i i guess my and this is maybe the crux of the issue is that i wouldn't really like consider it a of what if Irrelevant we hey what if we thing. cleared the waters a little bit clear with it? Waters. Let's clear the waters a little bit, okay? Are you ready? Clear him. What if we say that this whole situation, this whole circumstance, her evening is devoid of any type of any type of sub- substance influence? So that let's say that she is uh, she is just out with she hasn't had any drinks, she's not partying, so there's no like uh, misuse of of alcohol or any type of drugs that she is actually having mm-hmm. um, like a clear-minded uh, beautiful time yeah yeah mm-hmm. like the, her her experience is not necessarily influenced by any type of extra substance well, um, I, I mean I guess what I would <clears throat> say is I, I would try to get more out of her like I, if that if that's the case that like she's really experiencing God's love first of all she would have to I don't know necessarily, but I, I would think that she'd have to have some kind of relationship with God in the first place to to go deeper on that from the surface experience to like, I imagine that there would be a lot tied up. Like my grandma was a huge Cubs fan and she just died or she's, uh, you know, she always just wanted to see the Cubs win the World Series and I got to be there with my grandma and, I, you know, or I texted her and we were just, you know, like the thing about it that would make it beautiful, I think, is that it connects you to people and that it's this triumph and and I, again, I'm not saying that it's irrelevant, but um, as a way into the spiritual life, it's not that good. I, I don't think. I think it requires sort of the foundation of understanding that, that God loves us mm. and that he does it through temporal ways, like mediated. Um, you know what I mean? Uh so I guess I would I would want to hear more. Be like, wow, tell me about like wh- why did why did that move you so much? Why do you think that you know that was so important to you? And hear what she says. And she might say, because I love the Cubs. Oh my gosh! And that's not that deep, but or it could be something like truly human, you know. Um, and I guess that's that's what the point of spiritual direction is, and that's what the, the communion thing and and. Um, your experience in Nazareth and all these graces, even like the one I mentioned um, uh, about the couple having the baby or you just having a simple time with your nephew on the cam. Like these are concrete ways that God loves us and shows us how much he loves us, takes care of us. But um, the point of prayer and direction and everything like that is to like mine that, plumb those depths. Uh Oh yeah, dude. You know I, I mean? totally agree. I guess yeah, and I it's just it's all like how the scenario would play out because I would definitely like ask her to say more. I mean, etc. But I guess I just pictured this, and maybe it's like just the scenario like playing out in my head more of like, of course, like spiritual direction and prayer are like keys to the spiritual life, but we also have like all of these opportunities, just. All the time, like, you know, say you're in, you get into like a random conversation in like a coffee shop or something. And like, that's what the person wants to talk about. And maybe, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of times that that happens. It's just kind of like a throwaway, like little conversation. Um, But like, even if it is very surface level, I don't know. I still think that's like just a, could be a great doorway, like into maybe helping her deepen the conversation. Because that's always, always under the assumption that like, most people aren't going to go to spiritual direction, mm-hmm. even though that I think they should. Like, it's not going to be a reality for for most people that we encounter. Right. <clears throat> well, I think actually, actually, the uh, what I'm thinking of now is this this couple like having texting with the guy as the day of the birth is going on, and and then they're they have the baby in the evening, and he's like texting me, and and it was just like. I didn't even hear his voice, but I could just tell from what he was writing and, you know, thinking about names and stuff like, um, 
this guy was experiencing a joy, joy that he had never experienced before and it was blowing him away you know hmm. and he's and he said like just kind of out of nowhere in all caps we are so blessed like five exclamation points um you know and i think that <clears throat> god laid the groundwork for him to sort of experience that feel that for what it was which was a blessing from god um and then wanting to bring her to to church to get a blessing uh that that to me is like an example of of joy that truly like brings you deeper in to gratitude to want more from god you know what i mean um and that that's what it's all about is like is this joy the kind of joy that makes me want more joy like it you know mm -hmm. or is it the kind of joy that when it's over i have a bad taste in my mouth because it's it was ultimately kind of disappointing like i think the heart knows pascal said the heart is the heart is infallible you know the mind can can lie to itself and justify things that are wrong but the heart knows when something is true and when something is right and that to me is like the ultimate measure of whether something's from god or not is like is this uh even though it passes away even though you know this is just a fleeting moment this is one day and tomorrow's coming and there's going to be crying and poopy diapers and all the rest of it but like this joy leads me into like an endless pool of joy that i'm just like dipping my toes into you get what i'm saying Whereas certain other things, I guess, I, when I say I'm more suspicious of the world day day after day, it's like there's so much out there that does not do that. That's trickery, you know, um, that distracts us. But I don't know. What do we, this is another one. What do we even talk about today, up bro dudes? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think we got somewhere. I don't know. Juice, can you wrap it up? Mike, you did, you did a nice job last week. Yeah, I dude, there's not. I I would need a big old bow to wrap this one up. There's <laughs> yeah. a lot going on. It it would be trying to like wrap up gas. Maybe it is that of <laughs> wrap up gas. We're wrapping yeah. up gas here. I mean, maybe it is that of like there is a lot of trickery out there, and it can like be really hard. I mean, to discern. Yeah. I mean, and that's like I know that's like a deep desire in my heart is to like. I mean, I think that's the grace of the podcast is like being able to talk even something like as whatever we talked about today <laughs> is like, yeah, freaking Lord, please give me like wisdom from it, you yeah. know, because it's like, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities in spiritual direction and there's a lot of opportunities like when you're wearing your collar at a coffee shop where very little interactions are going to mean a lot for people that like we probably don't remember, yeah. you know, and I uh, deeply, deeply don't want to lead people down like a, a trick path yeah. mm -hmm. and there's a lot out there um and you want to save them just, too like that's i guess that's my yeah, my yeah. thinking about about the girl and the cubs thing not to beat this dead horse but i would see i would see it as like uh i want i don't even know i like i want to rescue like i see the sheep lost you know it's like you're at this cubs game great i'm a cubs fan um but I see like so much idolatry of sports and politics and, and making gods out of things where people like invest so much emotional energy. And I guess with the Cubs thing, I, it's a personal thing because I know how much emotional energy that I've put into that and, and been disappointed, you know? Um, yeah. And so like put your, put your hope in this, you know, like I've, I don't know. I feel like I found this thing and I want, I want other people to, and, and it's, I'm not trying to judge her or like say that she's not able to, to put this in context or any of us, you know, but like so many of us, get, it goes back to the whole cave analogy of being in the dark. Um, mm -hmm. And this person, Jesus jumps down into the dark and he knows the way out and you got to hold was, his hand. And I was literally just thinking of that. And follow him. Like it's the only way there's so many, there's so many of these little tunnels that seem like, oh, this is so good. You know, this is it. This is what I've been waiting for. And then you get there. It's a dead end. 
And uh, a lot of times things like the little way don't look too flashy or good or like that's going back out into the light. But he's like, come on, this is the way. Um, so you were thinking about the cave thing too? Yes. I don't, yeah. I mean, I could say more, but I don't know if we. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, it's, it's, which, I mean, even that, like, just the reality of, like, we both have, like, very subjective experiences of, as dumb as it is, like, the Cubs winning the World Series last year. And, like, mine was formed a lot around, like, just, like, kind of deep, like, fraternity and communion with yeah. family and stuff like that. And it influences how I see it. It influ- influences how I hear people talk about it, right. you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, that's part, like part of it, but it's exactly that is like, there's a lot of little trick caves and, um, you want to be, you know, I mean, Jesus is the one that knows the way out. And it's a, it's a good point with the subjective experience because father, it's on yours was more of an encounter with there's emptiness here. This is a fake cave. This is a, this is a, this is a fake path out. Right. Um, which I have no problem. I mean, I was about as indifferent to the Cubs winning the World Series yeah. as as I possibly could be. I just wanted to see the city go crazy, um, <laughs> which is pretty fun. But I I could I mean, yeah I could I could definitely see it going either way. The world can be very sinister and very tricky and very sly. And of course, like you know, the evil one uses has used and will continue to use sports and things like that to um, lead people to serving false false gods. But at the same time, like sports, I sports have been a part of my life. I mean, since I can remember, and it has facilitated a lot of love and a lot of real relationships. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I legitimately can see it going either way. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I like which, default to this is a flaw in me, and I'm not saying anyone's saying this, but like, I default to thinking about the spiritual life as a chess match between the devil and Jesus. Hmm. And I, I just don't think it's that. You know, like down those like kind of the same way it's like it, why there are all these like trick ways and trick paths and stuff like that we also say all the time that god doesn't play tricks on us yeah you know and so there is like there's just aspects of i don't think we have our finger maybe quite on it but like there's a lot of both going on yeah well it doesn't make it any easier and this is just an even deep <laughs> this is going in the opposite direction <laughs> this may be a trick tunnel but yeah um help is it makes Help. the metaphor even more confusing and it, because in this situation we're posing that we like h- how would you guide this person yeah but, which means that we are Jesus jumping into that tunnel jumping into the darkness taking their hand and saying hey let's follow me let's get out because i i know a guy who knows his way out of here which mixes it even more considering what you said about hey you're Jesus you're Jesus we're all Jesus i'm god mm-hmm. um but in this situation, like that's in a lot of ways what the priest is called to do, to discern, yeah, what is a lie and what's truth, which maybe that's stating it too, too black and white. But um, yeah, and that, that's where Ignatius's rules have been like very liberating for me and it, yeah. just a consistent, helpful tool. Um, things of the world pass away and leave you empty and things of the Lord, they'll stay with you and you'll want to come back and and find that joy, like like what you said, Father Connor. Um, you know, there there are certain types of joy, like having a child, bringing them to a priest slash friend, and like giving thanks to God for the gift that He's given you. That's a rightly ordered life, it seems. Hmm. Um, yeah, and it, that's probably why it keeps coming back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we could call this episode Three Dogs North." A case study, <laughs> <laughs> or three dogs north. Help. <laughs> yeah, either, either. No, well, no, no. I, thought, I enjoyed it. I did. I thought it was three dogs north. A faith journey. <laughs> a faith journey. Three dogs north are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast 
without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Good girl.